You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podcast. Again, the play fake to Penny. Jones with time. Goes for the end zone. And it is caught for a touchdown by Darius Slayton. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Grump, it feels like February outside here in New York. We just went for a walk, and I am trying to keep warm right now. I am freezing. So, <laughs> I don't know what it, to do with anything, but just no, let people uh, know that I'm very cold right now. Well, it's November. I mean, this is normal weather. Like two days ago, it was 70 degrees. Actually, yesterday, it was like 70 degrees outside. Yes. Um, yes. And usually at winter. Giants games, I'm the freezing cold little bitch, and you are telling me to suck it up. <laughs> but you know something? Usually when the weather is this cold, the Giants aren't battling for first place like they will be this weekend. So we're usually out of there or waiting for the train. <laughs> or usually, it's if we're still talking about first place, it is still summer. Yeah. It hasn't even turned to, hasn't even turned to fall yet. So the fact we have this Christmas weather and we're talking about the Giants playing for first place. The worst is being at Secaucus Junction before the game, and you've just missed the train out of there, and you got to wait for the next one, and you're already getting cold just there. Because it's super windy on the platforms in Secaucus. You're talking about after a loss on a Monday night when it's like... I, I, well, I mean, that's what... 11.30 see, already, and you're like, see, shit. By then, if you need to wait for a train and you missed it, you're waiting for a while, so you can go inside. When you're going to the game, and... um. You just missed the train. You got to wait for like twenty minutes for the next train to show up. It's not too long, but you wait out on that platform, and it's like mm-hmm. so cold. And you're like, I still have the whole game to sit through. This, <laughs> so do I want to be at this game? So, and usually not if it's November and we're yeah usually and- or or I'm deluding myself into thinking that because of some injuries we have a shot and. And what a perfect segue into Week 10. Giants are hosting at MetLife Stadium, which you would normally take the Caucus train to get to. The Philadelphia Eagles from up down the turnpike or whatever. Um, this is three weeks removed from their last matchup in Lincoln Financial, where the Giants blew a two-score game. I think so. Yeah, I think it was 21-10. to 10. Maybe yep. twenty one. Yeah, it's twenty one ten. Um, it seems like a lifetime ago for many different reasons. Actually, mm-hmm. even like the state, even the state of the Giants. Let, let's stick to them. Go for it. I mean, just at the time, you know, we felt like we were starting to get better, but we were just blowing games, and you know, season's over, blah blah blah. But you know, I, I I'm feeling the trajectory of this team. If you know, forget playoffs this year. Forgetting that nonsense. That this team is starting to resemble a team and resembling getting tra- traction for going forward. Um, I don't know how you feel, but I, I feel much better about the, uh, I'd say the longer short term of this team than I did a month ago. Even well, when I, would we played s- them. I would say it started with the Dallas game, which was the game before the Eagles game, right? I started feeling good about this team they just weren't closing it out. Like you said, blowing late games. It, this Eagles game included. So just to recap, um, 
and this is the same thing I'm going to do for every divisional game. We did it for the Washington game last week. You know, what worked last time, what's not going to work this time. The Giants started that game really poorly against the Eagles. I mean, they had a shitty first drive. Um, and then their second drive, you know, it was it's nice to, you know, do a one-play touchdown. But then your defense is going back in the field. The defense wasn't very good. They were they were allowing long drives. They were getting tired. And then, you know, one-play touchdown, and then they're back on the field again. You know, in the first half, two bad turnovers, an Ingram tip pass interception. Deion Lewis fumbled on a, you know, on a chance to drive at the very end of the second quarter and hopefully score seven. Even if you settle for three, you know, you run out the clock, you score some points, and then they start the second half with the ball. Would have been great. That got blown by a Deion Lewis fumble. You know, it ruined drives that were moving early on. So all that was left were these shitty three and out drives. And then... The third, fourth quarter were were actually going really well for the Giants. They had a, they had, um, a big play for Daniel Jones that's going to be played on Sports Center for the next five years, where he tripped at the five yard line. Um, that ended in a touchdown, and then they had a really long drive that ended in a touchdown to Sterling Shepard. Um, but they blew it. The defense blew it late. They allowed a giant chunk play when they absolutely couldn't, and then offensively when they had their last chance to do another time-killing drive. They had everything set up, and Evan Ingram dropped the ball. Literally dropped the ball, and figuratively. Yeah. Um, you know, would have put them in field goal position to make it, you know, to put it out of reach for Philadelphia, and it all it all fell apart. However, that game, they played fairly well. And, you know, I looked back at... Well, I mean, I don't know. Do you have any other reactions outside of that? No, I mean, it was just, you know... We played them three weeks ago like a team that doesn't know how to win. And, you know, maybe, you know, we'll talk about last week coming up, but, you know, maybe we're starting to see this team figuring out ways to win, even if it is surviving and trying their best to give a game away. They they found a way to win. But that was clearly a game that that's a team that does not know how to win. And as well as they play, they just don't know how to close. So, you know, one of the things that I think – I, so last week I watched or, or I watched the matchup between the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles really closely, and this is a game that I don't care who your injuries are for Philadelphia. With Danucci back there for Dallas, this should have been an absolute blowout, and it absolutely one hundred and ten percent was not. I mean, they even were gifted a touchdown, Philadelphia. On on a on a play that I think everybody who watched saw a fumble recovery down by contact that that officials just didn't see enough evidence for, and you know was picked up for a touchdown after that. They were gifted seven, but this, Dallas was six points out of this game late in the fourth quarter. That is pathetic, absolutely pathetic. Yeah, <laughs> I mean we are talking about four teams in a very very bad division for various reasons. And, you know, injuries and, you know, the lack of preparation have shrunk the gaps between these four teams. So, you know, am I surprised at all that Philly struggled against a Danucci run Cowboys or, you know, no. (laughs) So that gives us hope that, you know, Sunday is not completely hopeless for trying to beat a team that's probably on paper, I would say, is the best of a bunch of bad bunch of teams 
Yeah, I would I would say so. And and you know the funny thing is that you know Dallas couldn't do anything but kick field goals in that game because Danucci couldn't do jack shit. I mean that offense couldn't do jack shit. But even Dallas has been since week one. We've been talking about how they have not picked up the defense whatsoever. They're short on NFL talent in the defense. And, you know, the scheme isn't working for them. Everyone is gashing them. And yet Philadelphia was the one struggling to score points. Um, and, you know, they, they had Jason Peters back. They still do. So it's not a question. It's a little bit of a question of injuries, but it's also a question of they are not playing well, even when, you know, with who they've got. Uh, you know, they had Jalen Rager back, their first-round pick. They have him back. And uh, they had him back for that game. He, I don't want to say he was a non-factor because that would be untrue, but he was not a big play threat in that game. Um, you know, even even Fulgham had a ho hum game. There was nothing really special, and you know, we still saw a lot of the Carson Wentz boneheadedness. Bad, bad Carson Wentz. Yeah. You know, there's good, there's good Carson Wentz, and there's bad Carson Wentz, and that was. That was bad Carson Wentz. Yeah, and so that was a key the last time the Giants and the Eagles met. You know, I, I had said that Carson Wentz is having a horrendous year. You know, it's you know it's maybe not his fault given what's going on with the offensive line that they had. The, the amount of injuries is, is close to insurmountable. In a normal division, it would be absolutely insurmountable, especially with the record at this time. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he tries to do too much when the offense breaks down on him and he... You flip a, I would say it's more than flip a coin. I would say like 75% of the time when he's improvising, he's doing something stupid. Um, yeah. And he's, he's going to have to for now. I mean, yeah. until he gets all his weapons back, whether it be it this year or next year, he's going to – he's the guy but he has to make everything on his own and he is too much of a wild card to you know, rely on to consistently make plays, a smart play when he's trying to force things. Yeah, and, and defensively – the key is still to pressure Wentz. He he's been a mixed bag of pulling plays completely out of his ass while skipping the pocket and and, and making horrendous decisions. So while the Eagles finally have their tackle tandem of Jason Peters and Lane Johnson back, there's still plenty of opportunity to pressure Wentz right up the middle. And this is kind of what the Giants were able to do when they first played them. I watched something really interesting the way that Dallas was able to do it. You know, both guards that they have on on the roster right now should not be NFL starters, but they are. And even though they're anchored in the middle by a Pro Bowl center in uh, Jason Kelsey, there's still ways to exploit them. So what Dallas did on on a fourth down, they ran a defensive tackle stunt. So they you know they loop around each other, and they also blitzed Vanderesh up the a gap. So what that did is it like pinched both guards, pinched Kelsey. And it just allowed a completely free rusher to come right around the outside of the defensive tackle and just drill Carson Wentz. And, you know, those – when you can get pressure up the middle against a guy like Wentz, the edges don't have to win against those tackles. All they have to do is play contain. All they have to do is not provide an escape lane. They just have to stalemate. And that's something that, you know, we can talk about, you know, in in a couple of weeks when it gets to be end of the season, you know, where this team needs to improve and edge is definitely one of those spots. There's not a star edge rusher on this team, but there doesn't need to be in this game. They don't need to win on the edge in this game. They just need to stalemate. I agree with you. Okay. All right, cool. <laughs> I have to add, <laughs> Defensively, I you know, this is something that they can do. They can they can win this game with their defense. They have to play better on third down. You know, there there is not uh, a 
a 10-mile scroll of skill position players worth mentioning on this team. But, you know, the way they played on third down a couple weeks ago, it needs to be mentioned. You know, Travis Fulgham is going to be active. Jalen Rager will be there. Alshon Jeffrey will be back. Miles Sanders will be back. Dallas Goddard will be back. None of those guys is a game-breaker. Not one of them. Jalen Rager has missed significant time. He's a rookie. I understand the skill set he has, but he is not an over-the-top threat until he proves he is one in the NFL. Um, you know, with Deshaun Jackson on IR right now, that is a load off of corners a little bit. You can play a little bit tighter. You don't have to worry about being burned deep as much. Um, Fulgham, you know, he's playing great this year, but he's not. He's not great. I mean, he's he's winning on some street ball stuff where Carson Wentz is improvising out of the pocket, right. and it's yeah. When, no no corner can cover anybody for five plus seconds. Um, you know, Alshon Jeffrey, man, it feels like that dude's like a hundred now, doesn't it? It feels like at a hundred, no, always feel like we're still waiting for him to get into that next gear to be great. Yeah, like I remember, I remember watching him in college and being like, oh my god, this guy's awesome. You know, he was a the one true threat on a, a bad offensive team, and you know, it just has never happened, and maybe. You know, part of that is this offense he's been playing with, and the, you know the quarterback inconsistency he's dealt with since he's been here. But he's been a he's been a relative disappointment in his NFL career. I, it, I think it stands to reason that the height of his career was with Jay Cutler and Brandon Marshall on the other side of him. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, when he came to the Eagles, I was super worried, and he he's still a good receiver. I, I don't want to take anything away from him, but he hasn't been in the years that he's been here, like this, you know, thorn in our side. I mean, he hasn't even been healthy for most of his time over here. Yeah, he's not been the thorn that Deshaun Jackson has been in his career, that's for sure. Deshaun Jackson, you know, if 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 he were any other player on any other team, you'd be like, the dude makes one play a year. And yeah, but those plays are always against us. The yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. He's really not that – he just fucking – I mean, even in the game, he makes, he, so he, play, he, he makes, played last week. He played the last time these two teams met. And every, after every play, he's up and down and he's running around. He had like two catches for 20 yards. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he really, he's a name. He he has screwed us enough to become a name, who has established himself as a name. But over the course of his career has really not, I mean, even when he was in Tampa, he didn't do shit against us. Yeah, how long was he with Tampa for? That was a pretty kind of a cup of coffee, wasn't it? It was like two, three years. Three, but we played him every single year he was there. Yeah, I guess. I mean, and then true to form, you know, every year he's been on the Eagles, he only plays one of the two games because he's fucking hurt. That's true. He's always always hurt, right? Exactly. (laughs) So you know, whatever. He's out this game, so whatever. My my real concern is going to be Miles Sanders and Dallas Goddard now. We've done a great job this year in stopping the run, and we've done a great job in recognizing screens. Um, that's got to keep happening. Uh, Miles Sanders, is he the best running back that we've faced this year? Probably. I would maybe, say so. I mean, um, maybe like over James Conner, Zeke Elliott, maybe. I mean, I think I'd say Zeke Elliott. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that that begins the whole conversation of is Zeke Zeke when he's not running behind, you know, five first round picks, um, and also and also when you're you're with your fourth string quarterback too. Yeah, 
you know, that kind of takes away some of your effectiveness. Also, well, we we well we faced him for three quarters with Dak Prescott. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about just in general. Like, oh, I, I mean, yeah, I'm just saying this year, guys, we've had to deal with. I mean, you can make an argument that he's the best or the second best running back that we're going to face so far. Hey, our running defense has done a very good job this year. I mean, it they've has. kept us games, and you know, you said before this defense is going to have to step up and. The identity of this team right now really is playing pretty good defense. You know, unfortunately, that defense has to work so hard because of an inconsistent offense that it runs out of gas in fourth quarters. And, you know, it'd be a bad, you know, penalty here or a misplay here or there. But this defense is keeping us in these games. It's not that we're getting into shootouts and, and hanging with these teams. It's the defense is carrying its side of the ball and, and carrying the load. Absolutely. And key players were missing the last time they played. Darnay Holmes was not able to play, so we saw a fair deal of Corey Ballantyne, um, who was waived this week and is now a New York Jet, um, yeah. to make room for Dante Pettis, who I assume is going to be returning punts and kicks. I would not expect a whole lot of him on offense. No. Uh, let's talk about Corey Ballantyne for a second. So, you know, if it wasn't for the story with him last you know, with the, with the shooting and all that stuff, he would just be a guy who kind of came and went out of our consciousness, I think. People were kind of rooting for him after that, and uh, but the fact was he was a was he a seventh round pick? Six. He was six. Six. Six round pick by through victim of circumstance was able to get, you know, a, a chance to not only make the roster but become a starter on this team when he really isn't that good. And un- unfortunately, you can't have guys like him, you know, in your secondary if you want to be able to be successful. So, you know. Hopefully he does something with the Jets, gets a chance to play, keep getting a paycheck, but he's not really an NFL starting, you know, secondary guy, and I think it was time to move on from him. Well, okay, here's here's what I'll say about Corey Ballantyne. Uh, he was a six-round pick. He was projected to be as high as a fourth-round pick. Um, he was also the victim of playing at a small school, which goes against you. Um, I had no issue with picking him in the sixth round, especially since he was projected to go as high as fourth. I think he has a great skill set to work with, but I think that, A, the jump from playing corner in college to NFL is always hard. You know, first-round pick corners struggle. It's not easy their first year. Sometimes they don't get it till their third year where they finally hit their groove. That happens with the elite corners. What I'm saying, he can still develop, and, and, you know, I I wish the best for him, but um, he is – he's a guy like – you know, we're not talking about a dude who came out of, you know, LSU or Alabama and went to the NFL and he's struggling a little bit. He came out of Washburn, Kentucky. Um, and, not, and not only that, like I said, he went from Washburn to Kentucky to basically starting. Like I don't think, I, I don't think the plan was from him to all of a sudden getting very serious reps in, in, in playing in games. You know, we remember this is back when we still had DeAndre Baker, and this is when Sam Beal was projected to be, you know playing and, and all these different things are happening. So he wasn't, you know, tabbed as being a guy who's supposed to play he right away. He was a guy who was going to be depth and hopefully could develop in the background. Right. Um, you know, this is a wonky year with roster moves, with the way IR functions this year, the way the practice squad functions this year. There are so many moving pieces that every team is trying to juggle. And I genuinely think, and a lot of other beat reporters, other beat reporters, um, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of beat reporters also think that 
they were just trying to slip him onto the practice squad because they needed to move people around due to injuries, due to IR, and he would be subject to waivers this time, and the Jets took him. Uh, a lot of people didn't think he would be taken, but, you know, whatever. It's no big loss, and it's also not an indictment on Dave Gettleman. You know, please, it's a six-round pick. Um it's a six-round pick who was playing a lot. So if you want to, if you want to blast Gettleman, say, well, he took a waiver on somebody kind of down low, and he was actually a starter for a while. So yeah. well, that's that's you know that's one way to look at it. But I mean, either yeah, way, he... either either way, Corey Ballantyne was, you, you know, like I said, the Philadelphia game a couple weeks ago, getting off the field on third down was a problem. Darnay Holmes is a name that you have not heard a whole lot of because he has not been targeted a whole lot. He is doing his job in coverage. He gets maybe one target every two games. It's really, you know, he's doing a, an excellent job in the slot. Um, the fact that he is back for this game is a tremendous addition to that secondary. Um, especially since, you know, we don't have a whole lot of cover guys. Tay Crowder was also out in that game. This was the, the first game. This was the first game, I think, right, where Tay Crowder was – out after out, Washington, yeah, he, was hurt, he was hurt in the Washington game. Yeah, so so Devonte Downs had to come in. You know, he's not he's not an NFL starter. I mean, Tay Crowder really shouldn't be starting on any NFL team yet. Anyway, he should be developing. He needs to hit the weight room pretty bad. He is probably our second best cover linebacker outside of Blake Martinez. So you know, if if he's a go, he is he is. He has until Saturday to be moved to the active roster or something. He can play Sunday. Um, and there's a, there's a chance that he is back from his hamstring tightness or whatever minor hamstring issue that he had following that Washington game. And that, that will definitely help a, a big problem that we had uh, in getting off the field in third down. Yeah. It also helps with depth also. You know, you can rotate guys in and out a little bit too, so you don't have that problem like in the fourth quarter of a defense wearing down and dying. You can you know, you have quality people you can you can rotate in and out. So that's mm-hmm. another advantage. Offensively, you know, even Dallas had uh success running the ball right up the middle. And I, I say even Dallas, but you know, Dallas has their own injuries on the offensive line that they're dealing with and on top of that they had a a nincompoop as their starting quarterback you would think (laughs) that Jim Schwartz would be keying in on the run and you know they were kind of keying in on the run it still didn't matter Dallas was still able to move the ball at the middle which we were also able to do a couple weeks ago I think that we'll be able to do it even better this time because teams have noticed that Daniel Jones will read properly on his quarterback option and can get giant chunk plays if he reads properly. As Philadelphia was the first one to really find the dire consequences, they gave up like a 74-yard run against him. That means that that edge defender cannot chase the from the, from the backside unblocked. He needs to keep his um, his discipline, his gap discipline, and stay back. Which means that's fine. Daniel Jones can just hand it off. It's one less guy trying to tackle Wayne Gallman or Alfred Morris or Devontae Freeman, who may be active for this game as well. And, you know, as it was in the game a couple weeks ago, they were not doing bad running right up the middle anyway. I think they'll do even better this week. I think they should show the uh, RPO a little more, you know, knowing that he's more and more of a threat. I mean, how many times did they 
try to run that last week against Washington. I would say three or four. I mean, I think it's always been about three or four. The difference is Jones hasn't been keeping it because I think defenders are ha- – I, I have to actually dive into the numbers. This is my theory. So I could be dead wrong on this. I could easily be proven wrong. I just – you know, you're asking me on the spot. So what I think is we're still running at the same amount, but because of the film on Daniel Jones – Edge defenders are staying home. They're staying in their gap discipline. And we've seen over the last couple of weeks that we've been running the ball up the middle much better. I, I, I think we're running it the same way. Jones is just reading the defender and he makes the decision based on what his defender is doing. He's got to read that key. Either he chases unblocked after the running back and loses his contain. Jones keeps it and runs outside. Or he stays in his discipline to cover for Jones. You hand it off. And they've just been – defensive have – have been watching the film. They know they need to keep gap discipline. And so he hasn't had an opportunity to keep it. That's my theory. Oh, no, I meant actually just running the RPO just as a concept. They should be maybe like running more? a more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not necessarily him force feeding, keeping it and running it himself, but just more, instead of like running that play three or four times, maybe they should try to maybe like in the six or seven, because, you know, you can, there's multiple outcomes for what you can do, and I think it also sets up other stuff as well. I think I think you're absolutely right. I mean, but also we've seen in the last couple of weeks, in general, they've been able to run the ball better. I mean, is that a play that you force into the playbook? It, 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 it see, I, I struggle so much with it because it's an explosive play. It's part of Jones' skill set, but I also hate seeing my quarterback running. You know, I, I just get so worried with these guys getting taking big hits, and Jones has been pretty for the most part, pretty smart about taking hits. Yeah, but there's there's two types of ways a quarterback gets hit. I mean, there's when you're running like that, it's more of like a controlled hit. Like, you know it's coming. You you prepare for it as opposed to, you know, a scramble or just a blindside hit because a, 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 you know, a tackle wasn't you know, blocking the, the backside or something. Those are where guys get hurt. I mean, quarterbacks don't get hurt that often just running the ball. Like a normal, like, Tim Tebow never got hurt with his style of running. He just ran forward and, you know, it's when you know, these guys get hit from the backside or, you know, somehow their you know, leg sweeps gets, or something. Yeah. yeah or, they, or they're changing direction and it causes a, to blow out a knee or something like that. Or, you know, what happens to Alex Smith? That's different. So I'm not as concerned with my, my quarterback running around, you know, it's not like he's running around his head cut off and, you know, getting blasted or anything yeah or that's true hit. yeah then then i guess you're right i would i would put it in the the playbook a little bit more um but nevertheless you know last week washington has a great front seven um and this team on 23 rushes with just the running backs there were a couple other runs with wide receivers and tight ends and sweeps and of that nature but on just the running backs averaging almost five yards per carry if they can if they can average 4 yards per carry against this Eagles team, there's no need to be super worried about anything. You know, offensively. I mean, you could just keep running and don't stop. I mean, why? Why stop if something's working? So it'll get you it'll get you better field position, it'll get you first downs, it will get you time of possession, and it, will it does run all the these clock. things. Yeah. And it and it makes your passing game more efficient. Absolutely. You know, it makes it more of a surprise. So yeah. And the Giants still have to be in the mindset of shortening the game. Sure. And, you know, shortening and taking the game pressure is, off of Jones. 
Yeah, that means less three and outs. That means less. We said it in the offseason. If Daniel Jones has to throw the ball 40 times, this team isn't winning jack shit. So if you can, you know, you can be successful and, you know, just you know, getting first downs and getting second in shorts, you know, you're going to shorten the clock and you're going to decrease the amount of times he has to throw and forcing throws because his big bugaboo is making mistakes, forcing mistakes and reducing those chances. And since we're talking about the running game, it's important to note that Will Hernandez is now active off of the COVID list. Um, he's expected to play. Um, Shane Lemieux has played pretty well at left guard, uh, particularly in the running game. In the passing game, not so great. Um, so, I mean, you kind of have this situation where your backup left guard is better run blocking and your starting left guard is better at pass blocking. Um, does that influence any decision for you? As far as what? Who you're playing. Well, <laughs> I, to me, I think, you know, I, I know they like to have five guys in there and they just play together for continuity, but maybe you do it like situational. I mean, maybe you do it like how, you know, you don't have like a certain, you know, defensive end comes in on passing downs or something, or you know, that's interesting. Yeah, well, we've we've seen the tackles rotate. You know, the the announcers have been struggling to keep up with. You know, Matt Parrott is now in there for Andrew Thomas, and now Matt Parrott is in there for Cam Fleming, and now all three are out there. Matt Parrott is the fucking the the jumbo well, tight end. But they've been doing that like on a series by series basis, right? We're talking about. Do you do it on a situation by situation basis? Do you? Right. You know, well, I mean, I, quite, I, I mean that's. I don't know about that because I think with off with defenses you're not really worried about like a groove. You can sub anytime the offense subs. You'll have plenty of time to sub. You're allowed time to sub, um, even if they're not huddling. Uh, so you can kind of match your defenders to what the offense is doing. I think with the offense you're kind of getting into a groove. That's why you know that that no huddle, hurry up, no sub offense is a thing. It's you know you're trying to exploit whatever the defense is not letting them sub. Oh, right. Obviously, you can't do that. But, but you, you use that groove to your advantage where you just have somebody on their heels and just push them back. Well, I, I guess it's what they want to establish more. I mean, if they really, you know, if, if he does a better job, you know, run blocking and, and we're really trying to establish the run and shorten the game, maybe we go with Shane Lemieux and just, you know, take our chances on the obvious passing downs. But establishing the run and establishing that, you know, line of scrimmage dominance and stuff. Maybe that's the way we go. Well, yeah. I mean, I would say that this is a scary defensive front. You know, I think overall it's comparable to Washington. Uh, Washington's a little bit younger, so they're a little bit less experienced. But this Philly defense has got a lot of guys who've been in the league a long time and have been winning a long time. Um, So if it's me, I think I'm starting Will Hernandez. And if you get up by two scores – and you want to have those long time killing drives, then maybe I sub in Shane Lemieux and I just run the ball down their throats. You know, I mean, and then and then you know you take your passing downs as you take them. Um, but you know, the thought of me starting Shane Lemieux right across from Javon Hargrave worries me. Yeah, um, that's a, <laughs> that's a bit of a concern. Yeah, uh, and you know, Fletcher Cox is another one. He's just going to barrel right through him. But you know, if we if you're up two scores and 
you just want to run the ball down their throats and maybe you put your better run blocker in there. You make sure that those those three-yard runs are now four-yard runs and then on three downs, you've got another first down. You just just slowly killing them with paper cuts. You know, I think that is a theory that could stand up. And, you know, I don't know what the future holds for Will Hernandez, you know, if if Lemieux continues getting better. Right now, he's not better. Can Shane Lemieux play the right side, play right uh, right guard? I think any guard can play either side, but doing it mid-season is a little strange. You know, Jeff Schwartz attributes his career-ending injury to switching sides mid-season, and he just said, you know, you just get in a groove for where the run is going to be and, you know, where you need to angle your body, and what happened to him is he got rolled up on downfield a little bit just because he said naturally he felt like it come to his left side and it came to his right and rolled up on his or maybe I have those sides confused or whatever, but it broke his foot in a really bad spot or whatever. Also, both of these guys, Will Hernandez and Shane Lemieux, have only ever played left guard position. So I think a mid-season swap is kind of out of the question, but if you're talking about, you know, for the future, you know, if he gets a whole off-season of, hey, we're going to work you on the right side to spend your off-season kind of, you know, reversing your sets and whatever, absolutely, either one of them can switch. So I'm thinking about, you know, I'm thinking obviously about winning each game each week, but I'm also thinking about, you know, the medium term future too. You know, I, I know Will Hernandez has regressed from, you know, his first couple of years in the league, but I don't think we're ready to give up on him. What's I would not is, say what, that either, no. We are, have to tender him, what, after, after next year or after this year? Rookie contract. Next year is his last year of his contract, I believe. Okay. So there are, so they have to tender him for for next year for like that that fifth year that rookie. No, he, he only he's not a first round pick. He was a second. Oh, he's not a first round pick. Okay. So yeah, so there are decisions that need to be made with him then. So yeah, but I mean, right now, I'm not going to tell you that Lemieux was a better guard than Hernandez. No, no, no. Uh, no. But, I mean, I understand people saying like, oh, suddenly we put in this new guy and we can run the ball. They're not wrong. You know what I mean? There, There is some aspect of truth to that. Um, it's better, but we're not all of a sudden like a complete seal and we're not running for 500 yards a game. At you know, it, It's not good enough to be at the expense of what is lost with pass blocking, which is, you know... Where, which he is not very good at. He's is still a very important part of the game. You know, we're not I would say, argue more but, important. You know, Saquon Barkley isn't here right now. And protecting Jones is... I mean, this year has to be about developing Jones and making sure that he's okay in the offense and, you know, he doesn't turn into this David Carr where he's just side-windering, side-arming. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't want any of that. So, yeah, I would I would argue if you had to choose between pass blocking and run blocking this year, I'm choosing pass blocking. I mean, you you might not win more games, but you don't ruin your franchise move yeah. drafting yeah, Daniel up. Jones. Let's keep our eye on the prize. Yeah. All right, man, decision time. What is your prediction for this game? I think the Giants are going to shock the world and win on Sunday. I feel I feel like that, you know, that was a game that everything had to go wrong for them to lose three weeks ago in Philly. You know, in that fourth quarter, you know, the odds of Evan Ingram dropping that pass again, even though we, we criticize him a lot, but... For that to happen again seemed kind of low. Uh, just all the things that happened at, at the end of it just seemed like 
it was a perfect storm for us to lose. Where for a pretty good majority of that game, I thought we were the better team. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, you know, and okay, they are getting they're getting healthier, the, the Eagles. But I think this team is, you know, winning last week was very important. It gave them, you know, I, I guess you could say the same thing after they won before they played Philly three weeks ago. But I, I think they're figuring things out more and more as we go along this year. I think the defense is playing, still playing pretty well. Uh, you know, we had a, a, an offensive game last week with no turnovers. Um, all four of these teams in the division stink. They can all lose to any of them at any moment. And I just have a hunch that the Giants are going to win this game this week. I think, uh, you know, I think Daniel Jones is going to have a, an, another game, an unspectacular, but another clean game where, you know, no turnovers. Maybe with the... the we get a little more of a flow of the running game. We doesn't have to throw 40 times. Maybe he throws 23, 24. I'm going to say we sneak out of this with a low scoring 17, 14 win. Interesting. And for context, way back in June, the very end of June, you had this pegged as a loss in pen, but so much has changed since then. I had this as a loss in pencil way back then, and I am going to tell you now that I think, I think they blow it. I, I, you know, I think that they're playing better. I, you know, my worry right now is, I, I haven't seen this team close out a game uh, that wasn't against Washington yet, um, and I, I need to see them do it. So I, I think that this is another one that. I don't know if they try to come back and they can't do it or if they blow it after having a lead, but I think it's a real close one again. I think there's a couple more points scored. I think, you know, division games are wonky. You know what I mean? You have film on the team already. You've already played. You found out what works, what didn't work, and then you get into all these mind games. So I think this one's a higher scoring game, but I think ultimately we fall 26 to 23. But hey, let's hope that you're right this time. Yeah, it'd be nice for me to be right once in a while, so... (laughs) Around the division, Dallas has a bye week, but Washington is at the Detroit Lions. How do we feel about this game? Well, I feel like Dallas will lose to the bye week. I think the bye week is much stronger. It's got a better defense. Yeah, definitely. Cowboys. So I, I will uh, – Well, it definitely has I a better will, quarterback. I will give the three and a half points for the bye week, and I think they will cover. Uh, what was the other one? Washington and who? Detroit. Washington gets losses in Penn until they prove they are halfway coherent in anything. I mean, it, you know, Alex Smith was a nice little jolt for them in the second half, but that team stinks. So I, I put that as a loss. In I I think I think Washington stinks too, but I think right now they're a better team with Alex Smith as a quarterback in general. I think it opens up things for them to utilize what little weapons they have downfield. Um, and Detroit kind of sucks. I mean, I, I'm watching some of their games. They are not a good team. They are bad. Um, I, I think, th- got, I think Alex, you know, I, Alex, I, I was going to say, Alex Smith got a little bit of a bump because there was no real tape on him or anything. And it was a, a change of pace that wasn't expected. I think now that there's a little film on him, I think he's brought back to size. And Well, I'm not, I'm not saying that Alex Smith is any sort of great shakes. What I'm, I'm saying is what he is able to do – with his experience to keep his eyes downfield, to throw downfield, is not really something that Kyle Allen does a whole lot of. I think oh, yeah. just That's just true. just the nature of him allows them to like like Terry McLaurin. You know, in 
both times that we played Washington was really not a huge factor. You know, and then Alex Smith comes in the game and all of a sudden he's chucking balls downfield. Terry McLaurin's covered. He's still making fucking plays. Uh, you know, I, I think he just brings it. I, I don't think Alex Smith is at this point in his career with, with a, a leg and a half uh, is, is you know, anywhere near the top half of the league in, in quarterbacks. But what he is over Kyle Allen is a different dem- – he allows them to use what little weapons they have better. Um, he's a I, he's a starting NFL quarterback, and that is a big jump from Kyle Allen, who's not who's not a starting quarterback. And defensively, Washington is not bad. They have a good group up front, and they have a good defensive coordinator, and they have a good defensive minded head coach. I think that Detroit right now is in a bit of a tailspin with Patricia, and I mean, even at this point, Matt Stafford. Not that Matt Stafford's bad, but I mean, he's he's not twenty three years old anymore. He just is what he is. He's just a – if you have a fantasy team, it gives you a lot of points, but he's just not a winner. Mm. Yeah. So I'm picking Washington in that game. But I, I think it's – I you know, I struggled with it for a little bit. Both teams kind of suck ass, so. Washington has to prove to me they can beat anybody. Yeah. So that, that's yeah, – Will they beat I, Philadelphia week one? <laughs> oh, man. In any case, oh, I, again, I hope you're right. I, you know, stuff Washington all the way down at the bottom of the division. Let's 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 pick up a division win. Let's watch Washington lose. Let's move up the the standings a little bit here. Let's make some noise going into the bye week. They win. They're tied for first. It's I mean, it's a nutty, crazy year that you know nobody's booking flights to Tampa for any Super Bowls. But facts are facts. Ball don't lie. If they win, they are tied for first, and that's. As we've been saying for the last several weeks, we want games that matter and not just for fans because we have to sit and watch it. But we want this coaching staff to get their culture and their system and their implementation done as fast as possible. And that means keeping your team engaged for as long as possible. And if they can smell first place, they will be engaged a lot more than being two and seven and four games out of the playoffs. Right. Well, that's going to do it for us. So this game is at 1 o'clock on Sunday. So on Tuesday morning, after a whole day of review and film watching, you will have an episode uh, in your iTunes and SoundCloud uh, subscriptions waiting for you Tuesday morning, reviewing that game, a Giants win over the Philadelphia Eagles. Finally, we can break that curse and move on to the bye week (laughs) and take a nice relaxing week off oh um, i need it too i'm <laughs> yeah. in the interim though all throughout the weekend throughout the game and monday when i'm reviewing the film follow me on twitter at football underscore grump i just kind of tweet out random thoughts as i see them and i respond to other people doing the same catch me as always at the cranky fan where tomorrow i'll be breaking quarantine to head back down to florida for the Florida-Arkansas game and then jumping back on a flight to be back in my apartment to start over with quarantine in time for the 1 o'clock kickoff. So just another weekend at being a cranky fan for me. Woohoo! Yeah. All right, everyone. We will see you next week. Go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.